Back at it, homegrown radio, Chuck Dizzle, DJ Head. Yes. We are not live at the Fat Factory. No. Studios. We're at the headquarters of the Chinese program. KB, I like to call you. Thank Karen you. Bass. Thank you. That's what everybody calls exactly. me. Exactly. KBLA. KBLA. You've been running around a lot. You know, we're down to I a while. Have. You're running for mayor of this great city right. of Los Angeles. I just want you to re re reiterate for our, our audience, you know, what makes you qualified? I mean, we know, but just yeah, to be able to our Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you thank for, you for having, having me on. I like talking to your audience. Love. And you know what? I mean, I've been involved in the community for so many years. Uh -huh. And yes, I've been in public office, the state house, and the federal. But before then, for many, many years, I worked in the community. And what's making me come home is the fact that there's so many of our folks that are now living on the street. Wow. Right. Wow. And you know, we were dealing with homelessness 30 years ago, okay? Yeah. But now it has exploded and people are dying on the streets. Mm. And that's what made me say, you know, as much as I like being in Congress, it's time to come home. I saw you, uh, speaking of, I'm glad you led with homelessness because I saw your debate. Uh, you know, and I thought it was really good because mm -hmm. it was like really. I like that you're straight to the point. You don't like beat around the bush and try to deflect and stuff. I don't like BS. That. Yeah, very that's, <laughs> that's a fact. Uh, but but you also, I remember you said in the debate that uh, shelters are not necessarily the answer. Right. So what is? Right. Well, so you know, you got to get people off the streets right away. My problem is, is that shelters is the beginning. The problem is, is that they've been acting as though that's all there is. And then Rick, with his $100 million campaign, right. he's only talking about shelters. That's what we were doing 15, 20 years ago. Been there, done that. So, right, been there, done that. So you've got to get people off the streets, but people are on the streets for different reasons. You have to address why they're on the streets. Otherwise, they'll be right back. So let's just say it was somebody who was suffering from addiction. They need drug treatment. Right. Or if they were mentally ill, they need help. Or it might be a woman who was fleeing a, a, a violent household. There's thousands of kids on the street. It might be a teenager who's in foster care. You don't just put a teenager in a shelter and forget about them. They need to be taken care of. So that's my problem, is that that's not the end of the answer. That is the beginning. beginning. I like that. You said something, you said in, in the debate also, you said day one houses, day one services. Yes, now, exactly. Isn't is, is it important, or would you say, and from what I'm getting from you, are the services more important than the housing? No. I mean, you know, because you can't give the services on the street. You right. know what I mean? You can't give drug treatment on the street. Yeah. So my, the reason why I said day one, day one, mm -hmm. is because if you put somebody in a house, and let's just say they're in their addiction, if you don't offer them drug treatment on the same day, then what are you accomplishing? Right. They're going to be in that, in that house for until they need some more drugs, mm -hmm. and then they will go out and they will do whatever it takes Back to get the, the drugs. Right. I remember you spoke about that, too, as far as uh, you being an advocate for mental health, substance mm -hmm. abuse, mm -hmm. reformation programs that you were actually a part of. Right. Um, but what about making it affordable? for people that don't, that can't necessarily afford these programs. Absolutely, let me just tell, oh, making the programs affordable? Making, well, yeah, making, making treatment affordable. Well, see, that's the thing, is that, you know, when I started Community Coalition in 1990, there were drug programs in our community where you could go live in them for a year. Mm. You didn't pay. 
whatever benefits you could get, you know, that's how the drug programs were open. They took your benefits, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you didn't have to pay right now. The only drug programs, I mean, you got to be a millionaire right. in order to go into a drug treatment program. Or if you want to go into the ones that are free, they only offer it for 30 days. Who's going to get clean and sober for 30 days? And then, by the way, after you finish 30 days, I'm going to send you back to the tent. Right. What, what we used to do is you could live in the programs for a year, and then when you were finished your year, you would leave, but you wouldn't just be put out on the street. You would go into what's called a sober living situation. So it might be an apartment where four people are living, but everybody's committed to sobriety, you know? And so we, uh, we dismantled that, that safety net we used to have, and so I've been advocating for us rebuilding that. That's why tomorrow the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services is going to be in L.A., and I'm going to talk to him about it. You know, he's appointed by President Biden, mm -hmm. and it starts at the federal level. Right. Now, what, one thing that I do, you know, respect about <clears throat> your situation is starting up a uh, community coalition, coalition community. You started grassroots, you know, right. in the living room. Right. Our, our situation, our setup, we started in my living room. Yeah, so that's that right. Really Look to what me. you've done. See, exactly. So <laughs> in 1991, when you were starting up, like, what were the things that you kind of looked forward to as far as progressing not only the city but the situation and, you know, the community and being active at that time? And how do you feel like... Uh, you've made an impact on the community all, all these well, years. Well, see, in the 80s, I was actually working at County General Hospital in the emergency rooms. And I used to get off the freeway and drive through Skid Row every day. I watched Skid Row turn black. Wow. Mm. Wow. That was not who was oh, on Skid yeah. Row before. The, the demographic of Skid Row folks in the early 80s were a 55-year-old white man who was an alcoholic, and it was a handful of people. Wow. When crack hit, that's when it began to completely change. So when crack hit, I became scared that I didn't know what was going to happen to black folks. Yeah. Because black folks, I mean, of all classes. Uh, and, and you know what really struck me? Was when the mayor of Washington, D.C. The mayor. Yeah, on crack, yeah. On yeah. crack, on yeah. video. Yeah. yeah. I said, oh my God, what is happening to us? Yeah. And so that's what, and by the way, before crack, we didn't even have the word homeless. That was not in our vocabulary. What was the, the word then? It wasn't a good word. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> they were referred to as hobos. Yeah. Oh, got you. Okay, yeah, yeah. For but sure. homeless was not a concept until the end of the 80s, the beginning of the 90s, and it was all tied into crack. Well, one thing I want to kind of touch on as well, I mean, we, one thing that I know that, that most millennials and, you know, Gen Z, that their whole thing is most politicians, they overpromise, underdeliver. Right? That's right. So let's just say, the plan that you have in place doesn't necessarily work out the way you see it. You mm -hmm. know, is there a backup? How, how do you plan on addressing that? Well, I actually tried to develop a plan that was achievable. Okay. And I will tell you something. If for some reason it's not, I will tell people it's not. Got it. I love. That. I will I think tell that's people too. this is what I tried, and it didn't work because of X, Y, and Z. Right. I've always believed that it's important to be honest and transparent. I remember you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. oh, go ahead. I remember you brought that up. Um, also, I saw you speaking during the debate, and you wanted you want a transparent administration, right? And I feel like that's important to rebuild trust in the community, right? Amongst your politicians, amongst your police force, stuff like that. Um, I want to talk about uh, being. I'm, we're both LA natives. We're both from Carson, black and brown. It's been our whole life. Mm -hmm. I grew up on the east side, and all of my friends are Mexican. And I actually have a lot of friends that came over were dreamers mm -hmm. and the DACA mm -hmm. thing. And I want to read you this tweet from mm -hmm. somebody named Karen Bass. 
Um, it says, KB. It says, Los Angeles is a city that thrives because of our contributions to our, of our dreamers. The lives of hundreds of thousands of people are in limbo because Republican senators, because Republican senators that my opponent has funded refuse to act. I'm running for mayor to ensure that everyone knows home is here. I have a lot of home, like my homies have their fathers deported. Yeah. They, a lot of people got rounded up in those That's right. raids. During Trump raids. Right, right, right. So I just want you to speak to that and reassure, you know, our brown brothers and sisters as far as what you plan to do in their defense as well. Well, you know, what? one thing that's great about our city is that our city is welcoming to immigrants. Right. And that's that's a change for me because in D.C. that's not, that's not the case. And so, um, you know, we support DACA. We support uh, immigrants, and the, the mayor, the current mayor, started an office of immigrant affairs, and I would like to build and expand on that. But, you know, the thing about immigrants is there's a whole bunch of black immigrants, too. Yes. There's black DACA yes. recipients as well. Right. And I think in terms of the African-American population, it's important for us to communicate to black folk that black folk come from a lot of different countries. That That's one thing that's kind of more familiar on the East Coast yeah. than it is on the West, West Coast. Because West Indies, during the time period of transatlantic slave trade, there were more Africans left in Latin America than the United States. Yep. I mean, by huge numbers. So black folks come from a lot of different places. And that's why we have so much in common with each other. You know, at Community Coalition in 1990 was formed as an African-American Latino organization, deliberately, even though the Latino population in South LA was very small at the time. And so a lot of the high school students that we recruited in the 90s, we steeped them in the history of both peoples. And when you grow up understanding the similarities in your history, yeah. then you realize that you have way more in common than you do that's different. I love that. Um, I also thought that what was interesting about something that you that is specific to our city is traffic. Mm, okay? Oh, Lord. Traffic is <laughs> abysmal here in L.A., okay? Um, as far, you have the bipartisan infrastructure law. Yeah. That, um, upgrading transit systems, improving reliability, supporting and um, bringing jobs to the city, stuff like that. But how is that going to help me from sitting on the 405 all day? <laughs> the slow I know. Like, like, the slow 05. Uh, no, the slow <laughs> how is that going to help right. me not sit in traffic all day? That's right. Well, you know, um, I'll tell you, I don't know what we did before cell phones. That was when we went crazy. <laughs> at least we oh, you know do. what? There might be a connection between road rage and the advent of cell phones. The what? Well... <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but we went through a period where people have bumper stickers that said, don't shoot, I'll move, because yeah. there was so much people were shooting at each yeah. other. Right. Wow. And you know what the chief of police told me? Is that uh, when, after the pandemic, not after, because we're kind of still in it, right. but when people started coming outside, that one crime that went unreported a lot is road rage. So road rage really increased. Wow. It's kind of like we were in the house so long that when we came out, we kind of got crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All these crazy crimes happen now. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, I, you know, really in terms of the infrastructure deal, the most important thing for me, which doesn't help you on the 405, is that I was anywhere. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> anywhere <laughs> yeah, right. in traffic, I'll take. Well, it. well, I was able to get a provision in the infrastructure deal that allowed for the hiring of people from the neighborhoods where the projects go up. Because you know, we we have all these big projects, and then you look, and there's nobody that looks like you in the workplace. Right. Because prior to that bill, it actually wasn't legal 
to prioritize hiring people from the neighborhoods where the projects were. Really? But I have an idea around traffic that might help with the 405. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I would look. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that as Go far ahead. as the projects within being in the city and, and the, the lack of, um, you know, us being able to work on it. I seen a viral video a couple of days ago where uh, somebody was walking up Crenshaw and there's, I guess, a, a housing project or something being developed right there. No black faces. No black. No no black men. No no black workers in there. So mm -hmm. is that something you plan to address or kind of figure out like what the situation is with that? Yes. I mean, unfortunately, you know, it's not good enough to just advertise. Mm -hmm. You really have to do specific outreach. So there are organizations like the Los Angeles Black Workers Center, mm -hmm. where and then we're fortunate in our city and our county. There's awareness of this. And so there's an openness to very specific outreach to black folk. And yes, I will be a very strong advocate for that. And then, you know, we have to deal with some of, some of our issues, which is one of the reasons why we're blocked from hiring a lot is because people might have records, you know? And so be, getting an awareness of employers to give people a chance. You know, it used to be if you committed a crime or, you know, were arrested or whatever, and you did your time, you were accepted back into society. But that's kind of not the way we feel now. So we have to get that sentiment back. I just you know? think that that's super strange how in our city, in, in that particular district, you can't find one. Right. One person. You know? Well, and you can. Mm -hmm. And you can. No, I, know, I know they're out you, there for you, sure. You have to, you know, you have to look and you have to. I'll give you a, an example. At USC, it, it's done now, but when they were building those new dorms and mm -hmm. all, they were very specific, and they worked closely with the Black Workers Center and a couple of other black organizations mm -hmm. specifically to me, and they had very specific goals, and they made sure that those goals were met. And that, unfortunately, is the way it has to be done. But my traffic idea... <laughs> She's like, let's get back to that. <laughs> yeah. right. Is, uh, you know, we all went through COVID. We all learned that we could work remotely. Yes. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe I could call together the city's largest employers to say, can we coordinate schedules? Mm. Can we stagger work times? Yes, let's yeah. do that. And the reason why I say that is because a long time ago, before you guys were around, and when we had the Olympics the last time, mm -hmm. we didn't have computers, mm -hmm. we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have any of yeah. the technology that we have now. But Mayor Bradley coordinated, and, and we were like, oh, the city's going to be terrible. Some people even left town because right, right. they thought the traffic was going to be awful. There was no traffic. There was no traffic. No, none. How? It was kind of like the pandemic. Really? Well, they coordinated, uh, Mayor Bradley called everybody in and they coordinated the schedules. So if they did that before technology. So being proactive. Is can't we do something like that? I don't know if it'll work, but. I want to try, try it. I love that you're open to new ideas because I hear your opponent always talk about going back, like flip-flopping parties and then like going back to this party to make it what it used to be. And you're like one of the first politicians, I say begrudgingly, that I always like is forward thinking. It's like, okay, well, let's look, let's let's move forward. Let's be progressive right. as far as ideologies and stuff like that. And that's comforting, especially being, you know, younger voting population. Mm -hmm. Well, you also have to be willing to take a risk and fail. I love that. You know what I mean? I mean, that's my idea. I might get a bunch of employers in the room and they might tell me I lost my mind. <laughs> right. But, you know, hey, I, I, tried. Mean, <laughs> I have to right, try it right, right. because it's not good enough to say, well, we're going to build this subway. We've been building that subway my whole life. Love that. Um, okay, before we wrap, I just want to say this. Um, if elected, okay, as our mayor of this great city, 
You'd be the first woman ever to serve as our mayor. Facts. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that. Now, being in that position, um, we had Obama, who you're endorsed by, by the way. Congratulations. Thank bro. you. We're in the heart of L.A., by the way, LeBray and Obama. Yeah, we're right That's here on, right. We're right here on LeBray and Obama Boulevard, literally. But being on endorsed I should have told him that. Right, right. Oh, yeah. My headquarters you, is on Obama Boulevard. I you should have said that. that. Hey, you're not thinking about it, though, on the FaceTime. You can FaceTime know, exactly. Obama. Hey, <laughs> hey, look. You take it when you take it how you can get it. Right. Um, but what does that mean for you personally being you went to you grew up here like you went yep. to Hamilton but like what does that mean for you personally and then other young women that's coming up that want to be in positions of power as well well influence? it means that I have a tremendous responsibility which I went through before when I was speaker of the house in California mm-hmm. and uh, you know you're busy trying to do the best job you can you're not really thinking about that other people are watching you but you know having girls come up and talk about how important it is uh, you know, it's a good feeling, but it's also a feeling of tremendous responsibility. Like, I can't mess this right, up. I can't mess, you can't mess up. <laughs> right. I want to say something else, but we're not going to say that. Right, right. Exactly. Can't mess up, you know? And I certainly can't get in any mess. Right. For sure. So that means that, oh, yeah. you know how it is. For sure. And so that that's why one of the first things I'm going to do is call in this man who actually volunteered to do this for me. He was Obama's ethics czar. Yes. And Obama had one of the most, well, not one of the most, the most scandal-free presidency of any president in our lifetime. Ever. And so he agreed to come out here and do a top-to-bottom review of everything and get it set up so that I will know what all the rules are, everybody follows the rules. And I'm not necessarily a big rule person, but I'm sure going to be. Got to be, of course. Because I know what the scrutiny will be. Yeah. And I know that I have to be, you know, toe the line completely. And so I want to be transparent about that, too, because if I have him come to a top to bottom ethics review, I'm going to want to let the public know what he found. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to let the public know this is what we're going to put in place. Because right now, everybody thinks everybody over there is corrupt. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that one person went to prison already, another person's on trial, the tapes came out, yeah. you know, and it puts a, a uh, bad rap on everybody. And see, here's the thing. If we're going to get these 40,000 people off the street, everybody in the city has got to have some skin in the game. You can't send all of those 40,000 people to South Central, Boyle Heights, and Pico Union. to say good luck. Well, and especially because in those three areas, the poorest areas of town, People are already living two and three in an apartment. Yeah. So everybody in the city's got to have some skin in the game. And in order for that to happen, people have to have faith in, in the government, and we have to act like we deserve to have faith. I appreciate you so much because, you know, we don't, we don't trust a lot of people that do your work. Yep. And rightfully so in some instances when it comes to law enforcement, politicians, stuff like that. But I really appreciate your motivation to be transparent because I think that's what's going to make people want to vote participate in the political process and more you know allow their voices to be heard I'm not gonna lie look he's being very nice I'm still on the fence because a couple of years back my my home got robbed right Mm -hmm. they ransacked my home he got his car stolen yeah two two years years ago ago, three years ago two three years ago (laughs) my buddy that that's that's filming right now he just had had a friend that just got murdered literally moments before he came here Mm -hmm. right what Mm -hmm. Now, so for us, when it, when it comes down to approaching law enforcement or making that call, you know, we're, we're more on the side of, okay, let's do, the, let's do right. Let's yeah, call. Yeah, let's do the right thing. The approach 
speaking from my experience, it just seems like there was no, how can I say, there was no... Um, Commitment? It was no, just decency when it came to, to trying to make the report. Never heard from the officers after the fact. Of no follow-up, no anything. Oh, yeah. He still true. doesn't have his car. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So it makes us, sure. you know, sit back and say, well, should we call the police? Or they're here to protect and serve. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, and, and I know you were recently, you recently had a situation. Unfortunately for you, you know, mm -hmm. those people, were, you know, they're in this situation. Everything got caught right. So what's, what's the plan? What's, what's the plan in motion for crime? Like, how can you make us, like, feel good about wanting to call law enforcement. Well, know? you know, one thing I learned from what happened to me uh, that I didn't realize. I mean, I knew I, you know, I had cameras. Mm -hmm. What I didn't realize was all my neighbors did too. Mm. And then I knew in our neighborhood we had cameras, but I didn't realize that the cameras were to take a license plate. So when the officer came over and met with me to tell me what, what they had found out, he made a really good point. And, and I'm actually going to see how I can do this because he was saying that you know folks in neighborhoods especially like our neighborhoods it might might be different in affluent neighborhoods we don't want to have surveillance cameras put up everywhere Correct. right That's but what the officer said is is that if the neighbors put their own cameras up then they feel the ownership Correct. versus they don't feel like they're being surveilled because it's their own cameras so I have an idea of in areas where, where they're experiencing high crime is to work with those neighborhoods so that they can get cameras. I love that. And get the resources to them so that they have the same thing that my neighborhood has, which is, and my neighbor's just right, I just live right up the street, but um, so that there's a license plate reader so that they don't have to feel like the police are watching them. And then, and then what they did was they went to my neighbors and talk to my neighbors, and that's how they saw the burglars. You know what I'm saying? I love that idea. So that might be, an, and then that way it helps the police. Right. Uh, they don't have to do the work because it's difficult it's like for that. them to do every time there's a robbery or a burglary. For sure. Um, but it also gives ownership to the neighborhoods. I was like, wow. I love that That's idea. That's a really good idea. Like I said, forward thinking. Forward thinking. I appreciate that. One last question. We're done yeah. this. Okay, you talked about your plan for homelessness. You talked about your plan for crime. Is there a plan for the Los Angeles Lakers? Because <laughs> what's going on with this record if they continue to stake it up? Please tell us you have a place. Oh, you asked the wrong person. Please tell us you have a plan in place. If not, let's think of a plan. Okay, okay you have to help me with that. I got that. you. I got we got to figure this out. We out here bad right yeah, now. Not good. Well, thank you so much for taking your time. Yeah, you know you thank have a, you. Well, let's do this on. again. Let's make it happen after you're in office. Okay, because, right. by the way, I believe in communicating in a lot of different forms. Sure. You guys have a platform. Mm -hmm. You will, uh, if I can be on your platform, or you call me up and say, hey, we heard you did something crazy. Right, right. Why? Yeah. Come back on the show and explain it. For sure. Let's, I love let's that. Let's set it up. I appreciate that so Accountability. much. Accountability. Well, I appreciate what you guys do, because you're you. able to communicate with people. I might not have access to so gotcha. we we look forward to it thank you again appreciate you for welcoming us to your headquarters absolutely and um man lakb thank you so much <laughs> appreciate your time bro. thank you it was thank great you. to talk to you it's guys it's homegrown radio chuck <laughs> dj head we'll catch y'all next time <laughs>